Hello, party peeps. Welcome to another edition of Law and Candor. I am your co-host, Bill, and I am here with Paige. Paige, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Bill? I'm unbelievable. Um, so yet another episode where we're going to touch on AI. And I, I think it's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a really fun time to be involved in technology. We all see the headlines and existential questions about chatbots and content created in seconds and all that other fun stuff. But there's a lot that flies under the radar. And I think we have a, a great guest today. I, I, we both loved him. Uh, Ty Dedman, who's a partner at Bradley, and he leads their healthcare and litigation team. He, they launched a, 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 an AI um, practice at, at Bradley that he talks about a bit. Um, and he talks specifically, we get into how Gen AI is impacting healthcare litigation and what we could do to prepare and to share advice on leveraging AI innovation while minimizing risk. And it, I, I thought it was a great conversation. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, though, we're going to stop for a second and do everybody's favorite portion of the program. Sightings of Radical Brilliance and support, of course, is the portion of the show where we bring to you the latest news of noteworthy innovation and acts of sheer genius from today. Uh, for today, we have the NBC News uh, reporting from Kevin Collier about top AI companies agreeing to work together towards pan- transparency and safety, otherwise known as dog and pony shows for Congress. Paige, what'd you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, these organizations are coming together, whether it's for show or for, for <laughs> real, right? And having conversations about how we're going to make AI safe and transparent. Um, you know, we, we've seen this, we know it's been in the works in the background, we've heard it reported on quite a bit. Uh, you know, we were just chatting about the Senate hearings that Chuck Schumer hosted, the first one was actually last week. And, you know, who's who was there? We had Bill Gates, we had Elon Musk, we had Zuckerberg and others. And, you know, really giving the perception of public and private partnership on safety and transparency around AI. So we have a long way to go. Um, you know, we're definitely trailing behind the EU and how we're we're handling this. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it develops, Bill. Yeah, they. I mean, they they did talk about how you know, the companies have agreed to hire independent experts to probe their systems for vulnerabilities and share information and all that other fun stuff. And it, I was just glad that they took a break from discussing like fist fighting in the Coliseum and um, all the all the trolling on Twitter to to come together on a on a on an important issue that I think will affect all of us. And I think Elon Musk, uh, in a, it very humbly stated, you know, that the meeting could go down as one of the most important meetings in the history of the world in only a way that Elon can downplay it. You know, it, one of the most important meetings in the history of the world. That's and frankly, that's the way I, I, I sort of put that moniker on every meeting I have here at Lighthouse as well. So I, I, I'm kind of bummed he stole my line. One of the most important meetings in the history of the world, the man has an ego. He, he does. He does. And um, someone that doesn't have as much of an ego, but is definitely an authority in this area is Ty Dedman. So really excited to hear our conversation with Ty up next. Hey, Ty, it's great to have you on the podcast. Great. Thanks to be with you, Paige. Enjoy uh, visiting with you always. Look forward to talking 
to you today about uh, AI and healthcare. Well, we're excited to dig into this. It's obviously one of the most debated and quickly evolving topics in the industry that is just generative AI. And we're going to take a little healthcare slant on it as well here. Um, to understand a little bit more about the current moment, I think it would be interesting to hear from you about how you've seen AI change throughout your career and how it's being used in healthcare and even cybersecurity, two practices that, you know, I know that you have uh, invested in heavily. Sure. So, you know, I cut my teeth as a litigator uh, here at Bradley a very, very long time ago. Uh, and as part of our healthcare and, and life sciences practice, I got involved in mass litigation, multi-jurisdictional litigation that involved huge um, data sets for discovery purposes and uh, as a young lawyer, started running those projects. And so we were using some of the very first sort of predictive coding tools back in the early mid aughts uh, to date myself and the technology a bit. And, you know, we've really seen those grow and evolve. And uh, like a lot of uh, lawyers with an e-discovery practice about 10 years ago, um, you know, cybersecurity and privacy uh, started to get really more heavily regulated, uh, needed a lot more sophistication around the legal advice that was given. And so we launched, uh, one, me and one of my partners launched our cybersecurity and privacy practice here, um, really helping our clients understand their data and the best ways to um, manage and comply with that usage, which really dovetailed and complemented the e-discovery world nicely because you also have to understand the data from a really unique perspective to give the best legal advice uh, in that world as well. Uh, and now we're off on a new frontier. Uh, our firm actually just launched a new uh, AI practice team, and I'm excited to be a part of that. And it really seems to be the next frontier in how we uh, help our clients who are very sophisticated and focused on leveraging technology to improve their business, how to you know, keep them in the guardrails of regulation, but also be efficient and excellent op operationally. I think, Ty, more than any other technology that we've ever seen in our space, AI is really on the top of everyone's minds. Maybe that's because they're using it at home to create their shopping lists. Um, and, but we're really seeing it, it's it's uh, transformational power in virtually every aspect of our lives, including our industry. You know, we've been working with I know you know this. We we've been working with AI and, and analytics for quite a while, including large language modeling. So, how do we differentiate what we're doing with Gen AI? Um, and 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 then more specifically, how does how do you see it transforming? It, you know, and and what its current use is and evolving use in healthcare. Sure. So uh, the interesting thing about healthcare, in particular, with these new tools, is you know for a long time the gold standard for many decades now in the practice of medicine has been evidence-based medicine, which is literally based on algorithms. Uh, they, they were published decision tree looking algorithms in medical journals, but this is how doctors have been trained to make decisions um, for almost half a century. And so it's really the natural evolution when you start to apply technology to make evidence-based decisions like we did in the early days of predictive coding and that sort of thing in the discovery space. And now it's evolving so that we've got large language models. We've got um, vision uh, intelligence. We've got speech recognition. We've got all of these different building blocks that are coming together and being integrated into these really slick uh, tools that now have a really uh, attractive user interface. You really had to be an, uh, an expert user 
in the past to make use of these tools. And I think the difference now is normal folks can you know, speak into a microphone or pick up a keyboard and they'll get something back. It may not be very useful, but they're getting something that's new and has never uh, existed before until a generative tool spits it out at them. Well, Ty, these applications of generative AI in healthcare and really in other contexts, they've led to some interesting court decisions, legislation, and some guidance from regulatory bodies. What are you keeping an eye on? Uh, for better or worse, we're all keeping our eyes on federal lawmakers. Uh, <laughs> the you know they're, they're, uh, last year the White House came out with a very consumer friendly sort of AI Bill of Rights was a first step there, and then Chuck Schumer has uh, initiated a series of meetings. Just last week, there were two open hearings by two different um, Senate committees on the AI framework and how our government wants to deal with these questions. Um, they could go the direction of the EU and take a horizontal model, similar to the GDPR, where they just try to cover the field and set up some uh, guidance on how every single AI tool is to be uh, developed, tested, and deployed. Uh, I suspect what they will end up doing is something similar to many other areas, in which is a vertical model. That's historically what we do in the U.S. And department by department will take their industry and decide what fits best their industry. Um, and so you might have a set of healthcare AI regs, you might have a set of financial services AI regs. You know, we may get very segmented. Um, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, though, that we do have a federal solution. Um, as we've all seen in the privacy world, uh, there is a lot of uh, consternation among sophisticated businesses about why we can't get a national standard for privacy laws. And instead, we're doing this patchwork thing state by state. I hope that's not where we're headed on AI, um, but I do think it's going to be a little messy. Are, are, are you insinuating that there's sort of a logjam and nothing gets done at the federal level in Congress? <laughs> I, I, I mean, talk about a non-controversial point. I think 100% of our listeners would probably agree. So, but in all seriousness, let's talk about the impact, uh, you know, the, the impact of that on future litigation and investigations. Sure. So there's really, um, I think, I think of it in two different worlds. Uh, I think of it across the board, generally in discovery, just the proliferation of all these new data types uh, these new algorithms, these new volumes that we're not prepared to deal with. And so for every new tool in business, we've got to come up with a complementary tool in litigation to be able to understand and put together a timeline of what has happened, what decisions were made, um, you know, uh, uh, preserving and collecting and reviewing prompts and the work of the algorithm and the output of the algorithm is just an entirely different beast, uh, but it's going to be the core of what our discovery looks like, you know, in 10 years. So I think that's the across the board takeaway. I think for healthcare in particular, it's the increasing sophistication of electronic medical records platforms married with these new AI tools is going to, um, I think, come up with some really um, interesting dynamics on the substance of claims, not just, you know, sort of complying with your discovery obligations, but really the substance of who's right and who's wrong. I've got one algorithm uh, on, and if I'm an insurance company, I'm using one algorithm that tells me this was not medically necessary. And the provider hospital system has their own utility review algorithm that says, no, this was a medical necess medically necessary treatment. Who, whose algorithm is right. How do we uh, 
work through that dispute. So it's going to impact not just the sort of the work of getting through litigation, but it's going to impact the merits of it as well. So, Ty, with this proliferation of AI, how are you suggesting folks prepare and adapt? So, you know, the NIST framework is fairly new and it's fairly high level for AI tools, but I think it it is a good checklist for organizations to start to think through which of the eight risk factors or so that they identify of those buckets of risk, which of those are the most important to your organization? What's your collective risk tolerance and how do you want to try to um, sort of measure and test and manage those risks? And you've got to sort of have those conversations before you can think about onboarding and vetting those new tools. Because uh, if you haven't thought about it in advance and some department uh, or team starts using a new tool that you don't understand and you haven't thought about, they are going to generate so much information and data that you're going to be behind the eight ball uh, forever. And so uh, thinking through those from a hypothetical level is really important. And then the more practical way that everyone can start to prepare for these more sophisticated, more complex tools is just to mature your information governance program generally. Have the right stakeholders around the table, uh, practice good vendor management, good intake and onboarding processes, create a programmatic culture where we don't just take on new tools and don't think about it very much. We, we have a plan for everything we bring on as an organization of how we're going to preserve the data we need to preserve, how we're going to get rid of and delete the um, information that is no longer necessary and that we need to get rid of from a security and privacy perspective. All of those different concerns have to be baked into your program uh, or else when you bring on these new animals uh, into the zoo, uh, you're going to be really uh, sort of rolling the Sisyphusian boulder up the hill and and starting all over every single time you get a, a new project. Yeah, let, let's talk about that a little bit. So that, yeah, as we were talking about earlier, you know, we've been using some uh, some form of AI for, for a good period of time. But, how, you know, how can we use what's available now to stay on top of the new data challenges that a generative AI is going to present to us? Right. So there are a lot of great tools out there that can go out and win um, – sort of trained and managed properly, especially with sophisticated users, can go out and tell you a lot about your existing data and tell me, you know, where is where is my PI located in my infrastructure? Um, where are some exceptions to the rules that I've set for how I want to manage data? Um, you know, give me some quick insights into certain data sets about what's important there. That ability to triage and identify um, either interesting information or problematic information is really key. Uh, you know, applying those sorts of approaches, whether you've got a, a cyber breach and you've got to figure out, okay, what data has this uh, new tool, you know, uh, uh, generated and, and did it outflow out of my systems or is it still in all the places I expect it to be? We, we've got the ability to do that work now. Um, and so I think really, Going back to sort of your mature information governance uh, posture, sort of the uh, reaching a comfort level with what's available right now on the cutting edge is really important. Uh, Weasel Law Firm have always um, worked really closely with our, our trusted uh, partners like you guys to 
always push us to say, all right, what's new out there? What do we need to be getting familiar with, getting comfortable with? Because once you sort of stop being curious uh, about those things, uh, it's really hard to catch back up. So Ty, to close us out, how do you see this changing over the next three to five years? And how can we harness this explosion in innovation? So I think it's really important to um, remember that humans still have to do human things. Uh, These are all just tools, right? And and so the better we can get at understanding them, equipping ourselves to make good use of them, uh, the better off we're going to be. I I don't think any of us needs to be sort of abdicating our professional uh, experience uh, and insights. Um, But in three to five years, we're going to be able to be much more in the decision-making uh, role rather than the generating work product role. Uh, I, I think, you know, the old, the older AI tools kind of make preliminary decisions for us. And then we take that information and make work product and make decisions and strategies and, and advice for our, our clients. I, I think that's about to get flipped on its head where, okay, we've got some drafts to start with. We've got some um, generative new content it's like a mound of clay sitting there, but we've still got to mold it to make it make sense for our clients, for their strategies, for the jurisdictions we find ourselves in. And so uh, I, that's what I see as being next, uh, especially in the uh, discovery uh, data management world is uh, learning not just to take insights and create work from them, but taking these lumps of clay that these tools are going to give us and making them as uh, artful as we can. That's great. Ty, always great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today. This was just a great conversation. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Ty. Take care. If you want to keep up with the latest on AI, we get into a lot, uh, get into it a lot this season, and we get into a lot here at Lighthouse. Check out more of our content on lighthouseglobal.com slash insights.